بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear respected and noble brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الله سبحانه وتعالى has given us a tawfiq that we get some amount of our deen whether we like it or not every Friday this is especially so for the men who go and get to pray Jumu'ah imagine if we were totally deprived of that we'd be so busy to go and listen to a lecture because many lectures happen maybe not in Stevenage inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase this place in, with his light but they happen in other places like London and so on, and maybe in Luton and other places. Probably a bit more than in outlying areas. But Allah has blessed us that at least in Jumu'ah, we get this opportunity to go and listen. So we have to go for Jumu'ah anyway. Let's just go a bit early and we get to listen, alhamdulillah. There's great rewards for going early for Jumu'ah. The hadith mentions, and if you've heard the hadith before, the hadith mentions that whoever goes in the first hour, he gets this really huge amount of reward, the reward of a large animal, like a camel or a cow. The second hour, it starts going down until in the last hour, um, you get the reward equivalent to an egg. And then it says, once the imam begins, once the khutbah, the adhan, the imam begins, then the angels who are writing the names down for everybody to slot them into the right, uh, into the right um, reward positions, they roll it up and they say, okay, we're going inside as now to listen to the khutbah as well. So then the reward gets diminished. Now, the hadith mentions first hour, second hour, third hour. We don't count like that anymore. We have 24-hour clocks that start 1 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock at night. But about 60, 70 years ago, there was a different form of time that was being used around the world. Some of you are very old, might remember it. Uh, I never knew about this until some really old man from Iraq told me. Because once I mentioned this hadith and he grabs me after salat and he says, do you know what it means by first hour and second hour and third hour, starting after sunrise? He said, this is how we used to count time before. So the first hour after sunrise was the first hour, the second hour, the third hour. So time started then in the daytime. Very interesting. But we lived all our life in the 24-hour clock. And thus it's very difficult to think outside of that. Anyway, that's not my topic to start speaking about time and geography. and That's not our topic today. Our topic is, inshallah, a bit more important than that. The main thing here that I want to speak about, there's a hadith related by Imam Bukhari from Sahal ibn Sa'd radiallahu anhu. He says that once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was sitting with his companions and a man was going on his horse. You know, I think nowadays we can say there's a, a guy that just pulled up in his Mercedes, BMW, or some nice car that people respect, you know, whether that's a Nissan you respect or whatever it is. He pulled up in a really nice car, nice clothes. You can tell that he's oozing wealth, money, influence, etc. 
But this person, he comes along on a horse and the Prophet ﷺ said, Ma kafihi. What's your opinion about this man? He just wanted to gauge their opinion. And the people said, you know, he's such a man that when he speaks, people are going to listen. He's probably got something important to say. So when he speaks, people will listen. When he comes to your door, you're going to let him come in. Right? When he sends a proposal for any woman, she's going to accept. If he puts in a word for you, that's your contact. His intercession will be accepted. In the sense that if he puts in a good word for you to work in a place or to get a promotion, it's going to work. Because he's got that influence. Prophet ﷺ said, didn't make any comment. He's listened. Okay, that's what you guys think? Okay. Then another person comes along who was totally the opposite of that. Disheveled hair, clothing, soiled, not very smart looking and such. And the Prophet ﷺ said, what's your opinion about him? And they said he's such a person that if he speaks, nobody's going to listen. They're not going to consider him at all. He asks for a woman in marriage, they're, they're going to refuse him. He tries to put in a word for you, it's just not going to be accepted. Then the Prophet ﷺ made a statement. He said, This man, the second man, is superior to a whole world full of the other men. A whole world full of the people like the other man. This man is superior to that. In the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, though you do not consider him anything. There's another hadith in Muslim, Sahih Muslim, which mentions, There are certain people who are ash'ath, aghbar, disheveled hair, soiled clothing, not smart at all. If they came to your door, you won't even want to let them in. You won't even want to say, get away from here. But they are so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if they took an oath, Wallahi, this is going to happen. Wallahi, this is what it is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it like that. If they said it's going to rain today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fulfill that promise for them. Not because they control Allah. He loves them so much and they don't ask for things unreasonable anyway. But this is a hadith of Muslim. Essentially what we're speaking about, keep this hadith in mind. Let me just talk about something else. Every one of us, we live in this world, we use certain things that Allah has put into us. Some of you are mashallah, very good at maybe fixing computers, programming computers, maybe programming software. Maybe you guys are, some of you are IT technicians. Maybe you're a car mechanic or a car technician. You know, new cars don't have mechanics, they have technicians because they do everything by computer, right? Um, you're either a doctor, you're either really good at studying, maybe you always get top marks in whatever you do. Maybe you're very good at making money. You know, you, you, know, you look at investment opportunities and mashallah, you just notice them and you make more money than somebody else and the other guy's trying and he never hits a six and you're always hitting a six. Um, you know, it's a metaphor. Um, or you're a good taxi driver, you make good money in taxi driving. It doesn't matter, maybe you're a good painter. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. Maybe a good solicitor, lawyer, whatever it may be. Maybe a good restaurant business, hopefully halal. So it doesn't make a difference what you're doing. What you have actually done is you've discovered the potential within you. You've discovered your ability. In Arabic, the word for ability is qabiliyyah. In Arabic, this is a word I'm sure most of us have heard of. 
he has Qabili, a great Qabili. We use it in Urdu, we use it in Gujarati, we use it in many, many languages. This word, this Arabic word, Qabiliya, means ability. And if you haven't discovered your ability, then I feel sorry for you. Because everybody must discover their ability. Look, you could have discovered your ability, you may be using it in the wrong, but you still discovered it. You still got potential to use it in the right way. Allah has placed in every single one of us some ability. Have you discovered it or not? That's the question. If you have, alhamdulillah. Generally, if you, get a, uh, if you see people who pick up a paper, you can tell by the choice of paper that they read how they are, for one thing. Then you get a piece of, you know, you get a paper, let's just say you get the Evening Standard in London, which is a free paper that they give out. Or Daily Mirror, not the Sun, but the Daily Mirror, let's just say. If the first page that you open up is the back page, and you read a few pages and then you put the paper away, what does that tell anybody about you? You're not really worried about what goes on in the world, you're just worried about what goes on on the pitch. The ball is very important for you. But seriously, you got some people, that's all they take the paper for. I mean, what's life for them? Football and that's it. An example, we don't have to say that we're not talking about football, it could be anything. Is that our life? The only focus that we have? Now, what's important is this. We have this word Qabiliyat. This word Qabiliyat comes from in Arabic, every word in Arabic comes from a root term, root letters, huruf asliyah they call them. So Qabiliyat comes from Qaf, Ba, Lam. Now there's another word in Arabic which we're all very aware of as well, which is called Qubuliyat. So you've got Qabiliyat and you've got Qubuliyat. They both come from the same root term, Qaf, Ba, Lam. Right? Qubuliyah means acceptance. What we're trying to aim for is this Qabiliyah that Allah has given us, this ability to do whatever. Can we turn that into acceptance? Acceptance means we use the Qabiliyah in this world for our benefit, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we go to the hereafter, He puts us in paradise because we used it in the right way and we gained His acceptance. That's the question. Let's take an example. Has anybody been to Egypt? Has anybody been to, the, uh, to Egypt? Have you been to the Pharaonic Museum in Egypt? Yeah? So I don't know how much you paid, but to go into the Pharaonic Museum, which the British built about 100 years ago, it's like four or five floors, this really massive structure. It's got everything in there to do with Pharaoh from his chariots. So you know, you've got his big, big, like imagine somebody's cars to the needle that they used to use. They've got everything in there. Now that's amazing. It is absolutely amazing that after how many years? How many years ago did Pharaoh live? Mashallah, 4,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago was Isa alayhi salam. 2,000 years before that was Musa alayhi salam. 4,000 years ago. And from 4,000 years we've got chariots, we've got needles, and we've got everything in between. All made from slave labor. All made from slave labor. He had the whole of the Bani Israel under his slavery. He was literally make, making them do whatever he wanted. For somebody to enslave someone, to make them work for you, to do whatever you want, in conditions that are not necessarily favorable, you must have some ability. You can't do something like that without ability. Allah has given you some ability, you've used it to subjugate a people. It's a bad thing. But it's ability. He had Qabiliyat, great Qabiliyat. Pharaoh had great Qabiliyat. Now if you go into this museum, when I went about six years ago, five, six years ago, 
you paid 40 you paid 40 Egyptian pounds to get in right I can't uh, you must I don't know when you went we, we paid 40 Egyptian pounds to go in it's not much 40 Egyptian pounds is I don't know, at that time I don't know I think it was a seven eight to a pound I can't remember uh, but then you go on the second or third floor and there's another place there where you have to buy an additional ticket if you want to go into a room there yeah there you pay 90 in my time 90 so 40 at the door and the special room you pay 90 why do you pay 90 for to see some mummies right to see some dead people there from 4,000 years ago I paid for it because I wanted to the Ibra Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran when Pharaoh was about to die and he tried to then embrace the faith I believe in the Lord of Musa and Harun alayhi salam it was too late but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran I'm going to give you respite with your body so that you could be a sign for the people after you. Now what's most interesting here is that Pharaoh's body was only discovered about a hundred years ago. Ramses is in there, Medem Tar is in there. One of those two were the, were the Pharaohs of Musa salam. One of those two, but you don't need to go there. I can save you your 90, uh, 40, uh, 40 Egyptian pounds. Check online for Ramses II, you'll see his mummy there. Right, so you don't need to go there to see him. You can get your ibrah from here, inshallah, reading the verse. The main, the most interesting thing that I find, one of the most interesting things, is that he's only discovered about 100 years ago. His, his mummy was only discovered. But the Quranic verse was there from 1400 years ago to us. Can you imagine the people who lived 200 years ago? They must be thinking, Allah says, I'm going to give you respite with your body. Where is this body? Right? Where is this body? But mashallah, their iman was so strong that they believed in the unseen. Maybe for our times where we need evidence for things, Allah has given us Pharaoh to see. It's there available. Right? But can you imagine the faith of the people for 1300 years who didn't see him? And it's there. That's why do not ever question anything in the Quran or the Sunnah. Allah has a timetable and whenever he wants, things will happen most appropriately. Our test is that we are tested to see if we believe what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says or not. He said in 1400, I'm going to give you respite. What do you think the people were thinking and the ulama were thinking about what respite means here? But we see it that he's got 4,000 years. How do you preserve a body? And subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything is there. You can see him. It's not just a skeleton. It's not just a skeleton. It's the, 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 there's a preserved skin and things like that, whatever you call it now. It's quite interesting. But the main thing is, our purpose of this is not to do a history lesson on Egyptology. Our, uh, although, mashallah, the Egyptians are making a lot of money through pharaonic tourism, right? Uh, the, the main thing for us here is to focus on the fact that Pharaoh had qabiliyat but no qubuliyat. He was a, made an example for us. Let's take a more recent example. After 2,000 years, 2,600 years, uh, or 2,700 years after, uh, after the Pharaoh, in the time of Rasulullah in the beginning of Islam, Prophet made a dua. He said, Oh Allah, strengthen this deen with one of these two Umars. There was Amr ibn Hisham and there was Umar ibn al-Khattab. We all know Umar ibn al-Khattab, these were both enemies of Islam at the time. They were both leaders of the Quraysh. They were both very powerful individuals, both with great qabiliyat. Both go-getters, like, you know, get up and do the work. Umar was like that. Amr ibn Hisham was like that. Most of you probably will not know who Amr ibn Hisham is by name. Some of you will know that he was called Abu al-Hakam at that time. His title was great. 
the father of judicial understanding. He was very good at you know, judicial matters at the time. Unfortunately, nobody knows him like that anymore except now we know him as Abu Jahl. Amr ibn Hisham was Abu Jahl. They both had Qabiliyat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted Umar radiallahu anhu to become the believer and to strengthen this deen. And that is exactly what uh, the dua of the Prophet was accepted for him. So you had two Qabiliyat, but only one Qubuliyat for one of them. So we want to follow the example of Umar radiallahu anhu. If you're a, you're a person who can do things, let's see how much we can use our good, how much force of, you know, how, how much we have for the force of good and not for the force of evil. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever takes a person on the right track, they will mandalla ala khayrin. Whoever indicates towards a good way, they will get the reward of all of those that follow. Whoever indicates towards a wrong way, they will get the sin of all of those that follow in that regard as well. So do we want to be forces of good or bad? Let's take a more recent example. When I was uh, uh, an imam in, uh, in America, we had a, uh, I used to go to one shop, there was a shop there, a store called Costco. I went in there once and uh, I met this brother who comes up to me and says, Assalamu alaikum brother. Now, I was in a very small area, 100 people for Jumu'ah, like probably this area. So you know everybody. You know if there's a new person, you know if somebody's missing. I've never seen this guy in the masjid. And he's working there, which means he's not a stranger, he's not a foreigner, you know, he's not from another city. He's living here, he's working there, but I've never seen him in the masjid. A nice Turkish brother, he said, my name is Ahmed and everything. I didn't tell him, brother, where, why don't you come to the masjid? The first time you say that to somebody, they won't, they'll never meet you again, right? So then I, I just said, "Salaam alaikum, how are you, brother? How's everything? Then every time I used to go there, whenever he was there, he would come and meet me. Then eventually one day I said, brother, you know, you should come for Jumu'ah. Where do you pray Jumu'ah? He said, I can't, man. You know, I've got two jobs I do. I just can't make Jumu'ah. I'm married to a non-Muslim woman, this, that, and the other. Big problems. So eventually, uh, what happened is one day I see him in Jumu'ah. And I, after I finished uh, Sunnah and everything, I went outside and Brother Ahmed is there. He is giving everybody, he is, subhanAllah, he is serving cold water to everybody. He's bought these two cases of, you know, 24 or whatever uh, bottles of uh, water. He's taken them home. He's chilled them. Now, here when it's cold, you know, you're probably not going to appreciate cold water. You might appreciate tea or coffee or something like that. But there it's hot in California. And believe me, if you're given hot wa cold water to drink, you don't have to raise your hands to make dua. You don't have to tell somebody here, take some water, make dua for me. The dua will spontaneously come out of the heart. Right? So imagine how much reward this man was getting. Now the, most, the, the, the worst thing for me was this. I'm the imam of the masjid. To buy those two crates of water was only about $8. Right? Two cups of, you know, two, three cups of coffee, one good $8, like five pounds. In a restaurant, you can't get a dish, a decent dish for five pounds nowadays. That's all it cost. But it didn't occur to me. I didn't get the tawfiq for this. I didn't get the reward for all of that. He's getting the reward. I spoke to him, I said, man, what happened? What happened to you? He said, you know, I'm now working in a gas station, a petrol station, and the other guys are Muslim there as well. So we've made an agreement that one week he'll go for Jumu'ah, and one week I'll go for Jumu'ah. Subhanallah. You know, for us, somebody saying, I can't come for Jumu'ah, we're going to say, you're a kafir, brother. You know, some people will say that. But he's trying, he's trying, and may Allah give him more tawfiq. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he did, he, he doesn't know I'm speaking about him today in Stevenage. He doesn't know that. And you are saying Amin to my du'as about him. There must be something good about that act. A self selfless, simple act of $8.
five pounds, which is getting you so much reward. This is what you call selflessness. This is what you call compassion for the people. Using your ability in the wrong way. Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq to do the right thing. I mean, this is exactly what is the success of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. It said about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu that when he saw Bilal radiallahu anhu in all of this uh, turbulence, in all of this persecution, he decided that he will go and buy his freedom so that he could be freed from this persecution. So he went to the master of Bilal and he began to uh, negotiate the price with him. And eventually they negotiated negotiated on three or four measures of gold to buy him off and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu agreed and paid the sum and he, he emancipated Bilal radiallahu anhu. Later that master would go around and say that I got a very good deal. If he had insisted on just buying him for one measure, I would have sold him for that. I wanted to get rid of him. I would have sold him for just one measure but I made him pay four and he paid it. And he thought that he got a good deal. But I tell you what, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he thought differently. For us we would have thought, if we heard about this, that a guy who we just sold our car to and you know, or we just bought something from and he went around saying that I would have given it to him for a lower price. We would have said, man, let me go back and try to negotiate again. You know, this is how we act like this. But Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, when he heard this, he said, if he had negotiated up to 10, I was willing to pay for it. This is the way people think that are going to be high in this world and in the hereafter. May Allah give us tawfiq for that. There was, another, there was another brother, one more story before we end. There's another brother, Umar his name was. He was a young guy, about 20 years old or something like that. Uh, no, about 22 years old. He was uh, separated from his parents. He had some problems, separated parents as well. He was living alone. The way he would make money was by babysitting. Babysitting children. He used to live 10 miles from the masjid and he used to come for every salat. On a few occasions, he didn't come for the salat. I was wondering what happened to him. Only later did I find out that the only reason he did not come for the salat is because he didn't have enough petrol money to come for the salat. Because 10 miles, you can't walk it. You have to come in a car and he didn't have enough money. One day before Ramadan in Sha'ban, we were, uh, you know, we normally used to buy the dates for the whole month. I come into the masjid and there are three or four boxes of dates there already. Who brought these? Omar bought these. I'm thinking, how, the, how did he buy these? He, he eats hand to mouth. He earns a bit of money and he survives. But how did he do this? Right? When he came in, I said, Brother Omar, you bought these. He says, yeah, I want a reward for the whole of Ramadan. Because when you feed somebody in Ramadan and they break their fast by, by, by whatever they break, their, if you have paid for them to break their fast and you give them some food, you get their reward. All of that reward is going to go to him. Look where he's thinking and look where I'm thinking, for example. I said to him, Brother Umar, I'll pay you for them. You've got your reward already, but let me pay you because I know his state. He said, Ya Shaykh, do, you can't steal this from me. He refused to take the money. Right? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from him and give him tawfiq. Again, he's not asking to be made. What are we going to do in this world that will, remind, that, will, that will keep a remembrance for us? On the day we die, people will come for janazah, our janazah, and pray for us, and they will be for us for the rest of our life. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We must think to ourselves. We're in this life for a very short amount of time. What kind of compassion do we have in our hearts? Do we know the ability that Allah has given us? And are we using it properly? Are we going to get acceptance? Ask Allah for tawfiq. You don't have to be a scholar to become a wali of Allah. You just need to do things for the sake of Allah in the right way and avoid the harams. In that regard, I, I've also been told that, mashallah, there's a big project here for this masjid to expand it and do a lot of other educational work and everything like that. Believe me, that is one of the greatest things that you can do for your local. It's a right that we have to do this as well. I didn't do this bayan for this sake. I was going to do this bayan and this lecture beforehand. But I, when I found out that there's a project going on here, I thought, let me speak about it. So you need to donate because every penny that you donate here and it will inshallah last forever. 
then everybody that will come, that will study here, that will benefit from here, you're getting part of that reward. It's an investment that you will only see in the hereafter and you'd wish you'd done more about it. So may Allah give us the tawfiq to invest as much as possible and to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for acceptance. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our sins and may Allah accept us in this world and in the hereafter. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.